following podcast is recorded and produced by the podcast precinct in affiliation with the network at BICBP-radio.com. The podcast precinct, consistency, creativity, culture. This week's uh, episode, I'm going to finally do the Comic-Con episode I've been promising for a while. I went to Comic-Con nearly a month ago. Um, I have some audio recordings and clips from at least William Shatner's speech. Um, I didn't really interview people there. I ended up becoming a little shy for some reason and decided not to interview people there. And one other thing. Um, oh, there was going to be, I'm just going to talk about my experience there at Comic-Con. I've been going to the Niagara Falls Comic-Con for several years. I mean, except for the one year the COVID shut it down completely. Um, actually, ended up being almost two years since I went last. Um, but I always enjoy going to the Comic-Con. It's a good, <clears throat> it's a good time. All right, so to begin with, I'm only recording this about three days since my last one, two days since my last one. Uh, so there hasn't been a whole lot of news that dropped. There was couple of news stories that came out. One is uh, Star Wars Visions received an Emmy nomination, uh, which is cool. Uh, and the book of Boba Fett received four Emmy nominations, and I'm sort of disappointed. Um, book of Boba Fett was not the best work I think Disney has done with the Star, or Star Wars franchise so far. Um, it's not bad, but it wasn't it wasn't really at the level of where I expected it to be, and then trying to turn Boba Fett into, I don't know, this non-dictorial leader of the old Jabba the Hutt Kingdom thing, it just didn't really resonate with me very well, so uh, I would have rather a couple other shows got some Emmy nods instead, or even Visions got a few more Emmy nods. Because Visions was really well done. And then the last thing that really released, um, came out was uh, NASA has been releasing a lot of pictures from the James Webb Telescope. Um, with that, they released some other pictures that were taken by Hubble and a couple other things. And the expanse has now been trending recently because the aurora in Jupiter looks like the Kodo molecule from the expanse. Um, when you re actually see the picture from Hubble, you'll see what looks like a proto-molecule um, aurora around the um, north pole of Jupiter, and it's really kind of a cool-looking image. Uh, if you get a chance, check it out. I will put it onto the uh, video if you're watching this on YouTube. Um, and then the Harper Rave today was going to be kind of about Comic-Cons. I liked my experience so far with some of the Comic-Cons I've done. Granted, I haven't even done a big Comic-Con yet. Uh, the one I usually go to is the Niagara Falls Comic-Con. 
uh, which usually over the three days gets about 70,000 people there. Not like um, the San Francisco or the New York City Comic Cons, which will have 150,000 people there a day, if not more. They run for three, four, or five days. Um, so much bigger things there. Um, but Comic Con itself is a great place in a lot of respects. The thing that really kind of disappoints me is how much money you really have to spend on the actors' autographs and all that kind of stuff. Don't get me wrong. I understand we're actually supporting the actor this way, and you have to have cash, which also disappoints me. Because a lot of times, if I, I would have bought a few more things if I had some credit, but I might have gotten myself into trouble if I was allowed to use credit at the con for the uh, actors' autographs. Um, but even though the pictures like this one with me and William Shatner were about $150 just to get a picture. Um, and in between me and him is a glass plate. I mean, granted, Shatner's 91 at this point in time, so he's probably doing that to protect, him, protect himself from COVID. And there was only about 1,000 people in the line to get a picture with him. So, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but it just seems so expensive to get a chance to interact with some of your favorite stars. Um, and that's what just sort of disappoints me a little bit about um, Comic-Cons in general. Don't get me wrong, I mean, I, I like having the chance and, and I like supporting the actors. I just wish there was another way of doing it. Um, and then the other thing is it kind of makes you feel bad when you see other actors there that didn't get as much love as like William Shatner did. And like the Chip Stars were there, and Chips was a 60s, 70s um, police motorcycle show based in California. And, you know, those actors didn't get a lot of love. Of course, they're also in their um, 90s, but for some reason, they don't look as good as William Shatner does with him being in there. Well, they're maybe only in their 80s, but I mean, the actors are getting pretty old at this too. Um, along with like Jonathan Franks, when I saw him there last time a couple of years ago, it kind of surprised me. I mean, with how much older um, Jonathan Franks looked, even though he was in his like fifties or sixties, than what he did um, when he was playing on Star Trek: Next Generation in the nineties. Um, I mean, granted, I was a teenager at that point in time, but he. In the 20 years, 20, 30 years from when I saw him, not even quite 30 years, I mean, he aged considerably. I know he was in his 30s to begin with, um, but he looked a lot older on there. And you can see him in Picard and see how much older he looks there. Even Picard made him look a little bit nicer on the TV than what I saw in person. Um, uh, let's go into Comic-Con today. So, uh... William Shatner, I talked about him. I'm going to put a clip of his, part of his speech that he gave while he was there. I recorded the whole thing on a couple different um, platforms, and I'm going to add part of his speech into the, um, the both the video and the audio onto this here. And I'm probably going to cut out the guy that asked the question because he kind of rambles a little bit. But basically, he got asked a question, well, since you've done all this stuff, is there 
anything else you want to do? And he was like, listen, I mean, he didn't ask to go into outer space on the Blue Origin thing. He um, was offered that opportunity. And he was like, sure, I'm going to do that. Um, he talks about swimming with sharks during this thing. And again, it wasn't something he would have gone out of his way to have done, but you know, somebody offered him a chance to do that. And he's like, sure. I know from my own personal experience, I've had a lot of things that were offered to me in life. Um, and from my own personal experience, I screwed away, screwed uh, myself in a lot of different high money-making adventures um, or even just some cool adventures as well, just because I was afraid. And it's one of the things that I'd like to see you guys not be afraid of is taking that chance. Anyway, here's William Shatner. Well, uh, I mean, it's like, uh, it's like seeing, uh, you know, if you had a, a religious experience, you don't know. Uh, I'm looking at the falls as a religious experience. So how do I know what I'm missing? But taking the opportunities that are offered you, and, 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 it's, and it's really quite different, maybe not unique, but certainly very different for me than it is for you when somebody calls me and says, uh, how would you like to swim with the sharks? Swim the sharks. Hmm. Okay. That's the opportunity. Like somebody said, how would you like to go up in space? So it's a matter of stumbling. What? Did somebody say something out <laughs> It's a matter of grasping the opportunity, whether it's for me or whether it's for you, of some adventure. So this guy, Josh Gates, who has a program called Adventure or something or other, and he goes off on these adventures. And he called me. He said, how would you like to go swim with the sharks? And I thought, well, I've been deep sea I've been a diver for many years, and I've seen sharks so far, and I've a shark, it's a shark, and you can't get out of the water. I said, okay. And I found myself uh, off the shore of the Bahamas with a group of people who spend their lives diving with for sharks, with sharks, take pictures, and and the guy, I'm in my suit and with a tank and all, and the guy says, and they're chumming. They're throwing raw fish out for the, for the sharks to grasp, to be there, so they can attract sharks, so they can fill the sharks. And the guy says to me, okay, uh, you know how you hop in, you hold your mask, you go in, and you your blood uh, in the air, blood in the water, so you know, Forgot his and and yeah, so go to pretty Bill. Go, oh, oh, Bill. The guy says the the, the head guy says, um, listen, uh, see on all the sharks swimming. <laughs> the most dangerous part of this whole thing, though, is when you go in and when you come out. See, all the sharks there, they're in a frenzy of feeding, so that's very dangerous. So get in as quickly as you possible can. And when you come out, come out as quickly as you can. <laughs> and I'm thinking that you just suggested, why am I here? 
is this the adventure? Is this the thing I'm missing most? So I jump in and I avoid the shark. So I go down 60 feet. And there's a big rock. Obviously, no accident there's a rock. Because I sit down on the rock. And there's four tiger sharks that they're feeding and filming. And I'm sitting on a rock. And, it, and, and the guy behind me is my, like my guard. Turns up, pushes a shark aside, he's about to eat the cameraman. When did I say yes, Diane? And then I look to my right, and about where that uh, speaker is, is a lady. Turns out later she's, later she's called the Shark Whisperer. And she's surrounded by five, six, seven foot sharks. And she's like going like this. And they're all in chain mail, by the way. Which, in case the shark bites down on them, the chain mail will take most of the blood. I guess you get crushed, but you don't take the pump. Your skin is punctured. They're all in chain mail except me. <laughs> and, and then I see her coming towards me with a shark in her arms. And she comes and she blesses a seven-foot shark in my lap. <laughs> and I find myself petting the shark. And, and, and because I'm not wearing chainmail, chainmail gloves, I can feel the shark's body. And it's like a stiff carpet. It's not skin and it's not hair, it's something in between. And I'm feeling a shark, I'm feeling a shark's skin, for God's sake. And inadvertently, I, I poked a finger in the gill of the shark, swam off, and I thought, this is as much as I know, sharks, if you turn them upside down and pet them, go into something called toxic shock. They faint. I don't know. I don't know why, you know, you turn me over and pet my stomach. I might get excited. <laughs> but I think, oh, maybe I'll think for this <laughs> At my age, it's possible. <laughs> so I thought this shark was in toxic shock. But it wasn't. It, it, it was in, have you pet your dog? The dog says, oh, could you pet it in loving them? That's what the sharks were feeling. She brought another shark over. And it was like, so mellow. This thing about turning a shark over, I don't know where they discovered it, but they also discovered that orcas will turn a shark upside down. Pennies of, and the great whites, they, they, they're, the great whites are the top, the apex predator in the ocean. The next is the tiger shark. These orcas are like the best of all, because they'll turn a great white over, pet it, goes into toxic shock. And then they eat its liver. <laughs> so I thought that's what was happening. It wasn't these sharks who fainted from love. Then I had to get out. And I was swimming up to the top, and there are all those sharks. And when you get out, you climb stairs. So your backside <laughs> is to the sharks. And I'm sure I heard a shark say, Look at that asshole. <laughs> no, they didn't. That's the kind of adventure that I'm offered. And this is going into space with another. Would you like to go? Hell yes. And then I thought about it. Then I thought about it. the 
world, and I've been trying to say something about it ever since. Hold on. And we're back. Now, um, again, I have some more audio and stuff I might clip into there for William Shatner uh, as part of this podcast here. I, I may not. Um, depends on how much time I take to do the rest of this podcast. All that kind of stuff. Again, with this me being solo on here, I find it's a little more difficult for me to talk for longer than 30, 40 minutes about a subject and feel like, I don't know, I'm still giving some kind of good input into it. So let's go into cosplay at Comic-Con. So listen, if you're going to go to a cos or a Comic-Con, that's the only way to go is first off cosplay your favorite character. It is so worth it just to go and see all these people that are cosplaying and doing their favorite characters and all that kind of stuff. This last one I did not cosplay. I have cosplayed in the past. This one I did not cosplay because um, I was more interested in trying to advertise my um, podcast. So I wore a shirt with my podcast on there. Um, But I got some cool pictures of some people that did some really great cosplay. And they had the one guy that was dressed up as a dinosaur was banging on the windows. I'll show you a little clip of that. <laughs> and, you know, but on top of that, like, I got a really cool picture of me with this guy that dressed up as Peacemaker. And, like, I don't know if you haven't seen Peacemaker yet on HBO, but it was one of the most hilarious shows. I think it's much better done than even, um, uh, the anti-heroes, uh, frick, what's it called? Also on HBO is the DC version of thing with, oh, I'll come up with it in a second. I'll even put a picture up on the, on the, uh, thing there, but it is going to probably drive me insane until I figure this out. Um. Doom Patrol, that's what it was, with the um, the actor from Doom Patrol, the robot, um, who, who plays the robot right now, I can't remember his name, uh, Jesus, but he's in all kinds of stuff, um, like Encino Man and all kinds of stuff in there. And I um, think he is not the greatest of actors, but he is a funny actor and it is enjoyable to watch him. Um, but realistically, um, <laughs> realistically, Doom Patrol does not hold a candle to Peacemaker. I mean, Peacemaker is so much better done. A lot more enjoyable to watch in some respects. Talks about some uh, very interesting aspects with um, some very timely, um, 
bad PC stuff, but I think they take it to that exaggeration to go to show you like this is just not appropriate any longer and, and people would never root for this guy to begin with because he's such a uh, peacemaker's father is such an asshole. All right. Um, and then on top of it, you know, I'll spend a lot of time looking at all the vendors and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of cool stuff you can get at uh, Comic-Con. Um, I do know for the California Comic-Con, the one in San, um, San Francisco, they offered that uh, Robot Optimus Prime. And if you ever watched my Robot Optimus Prime video, uh, here's a little bit of a clip. Hey, Optimus Prime. Greetings. Transform. So, as you can see, the Optimus Prime here is fully uh, voice enabled to transform. It has a lot of different voice enabled features. And in that video, um, you can see how this robot. Uh, voice activated is able to just transform it. It's one of the coolest things by Robeson uh, Robotics. And um, if you got the money and it's not cheap, I would highly suggest you get that. Uh, but on top of that, um, uh, vendor stuff, there's a lot of cool just collectible stuff you would have a hard time finding anywhere. Um, I know we took several pictures, or got several pictures and posters. My kids get all their posters for the walls from the Comic-Con. Um, it is well worth going, but expect to drop a lot of money in a Comic-Con when you go. Um, not just in the tickets. Uh, the tickets generally aren't too bad. Um, I mean, the Niagara Falls Comic-Con, I think, was about 40 bucks per person. And they bought them because um, my kids are now old enough to be treated as adults. So <clears throat> all of them are $40 a person. And um, you can just see some cool stuff. Like I got a picture of me with the kit car. Um, I got some pictures of like the Scooby-Doo man. Um, there's a lot of cool Star Wars stuff. They, uh, here's a quick clip of those guys that were... Um, medieval armor fighting and it's just a lot of things like that are just really interesting really cool um, some unique experiences you won't get anywhere else and then you got other things there sometimes um, like a couple of colleges go to the Niagara Falls Comic Con to advertise both their work with studios and um, how to get into doing that kind of stuff. If you're interested in doing either the animation or the drawing or the post-production, the sound, the audio, all that kind of stuff. Um, a lot of schools do there and they do a lot of the VR stuff and a lot of that stuff that you can um, do there and it's a really cool setup. So, you know, this is kind of my thing on the Comic-Con itself. Um, I hope you enjoy all the pictures. And again, if you really like this show, um, give me some kind of combat or comments on Facebook. 
combat and have enough of my friends that want to argue with me over every little thing. Um, and I do plan on having guests on the show again. And when I do have a guest on here, it will be longer. But like I said, it's, it's unfair to my friends to expect them to show up all the time. And, and I've been trying to get them to show up, but I, you know, it's just timing with everything. It's just hard. Again, like, share, subscribe. If you have liked it in the past or followed me in the past, unfollow and then refollow me. It helps with a whole bunch of the algorithms and that kind of stuff. And uh, again, peace out. Uh, uh, actually, from Southern California, and just before I came on, I'm reading an article about the drought in Los Angeles where they're rationing water uh, where I am to sprinkle your lawns uh, once a week for a limited amount of time. And the sun there is a lot hotter than it is here. So obviously the grass is going to dry up, the trees and all that. But what I was saying was getting accustomed to something, whether it's your child or something you're eating or how you're feeling, the majesty of the falls and all, everything around you, how important it is to keep that inner child who's always like, oh, what is that? What's that? What's that? The longer you can, the, the more you can do that, the more you can retain being in awe of uh, the wonder of, uh, of the falls. Um, I, I lived in Toronto for quite a while. Uh, I was born in Montreal and went to McGill and when I graduated McGill I ended up in summer theater and then went to Ottawa for uh, what was a professional theater at the time called the Canadian Preparatory Theater of CRT and stayed there for a long while and did a, a play a week to rehearsal play in the afternoon do another play at night a week later you do the play that you were rehearsing and then you start rehearsing another play it's called repertory, and that was. And then I went on from there to Toronto, and uh, and uh, and um, the Stratford uh, uh, Festival. In that time, I did a commercial uh, in, in close to Niagara, and when I when I come back to Niagara, uh, as I have uh, from time to time, I remember that moment. When I shot that commercial, it was like, I mean, usually shooting a movie or a commercial is, you know, so, ah, oh, God, one of the words, got that, do it, do it again, do it again. It's actually boring. <laughs> Until the moment you kind of what you're going in and you try to overcome You're feeling important. <laughs> but that afternoon, shooting in Southern Ontario, near the Niagara Falls, the commercial was for a, uh, a, a, a vegetable store, a, a grocery store, a, a, you know, where you buy your, your food. Um, and so the, we, were, we were eating food. We were doing steaks, I guess, in the meat market or something. Anyway, there was a long line of people at a barbecue around you cooking a steak. And it was the time of year, and you'll have to tell me when, when the peaches, when the fruit 
on the trees were just right. So now we're doing a commercial. The stakes, like early morning or the middle of the morning, so when the stakes are going to be done, there's going to be lunch hour. And the fruit was ripe to pick off the trees. I did a commercial in Canada. And of course, the stakes, they go, all right, we've got burning a steak, I get more. And people get more things to do. This pile of steaks that everybody was going to eat for lunch. It was like, there was no boredom there. <laughs> it was incredible. Southern uh, Ontario was at its finest, uh, as was the falls and as was the beach. It was a glorious morning. It was so many years ago, and I've never gotten the feeling of the sun and the fruit of the bean and the smell of the bean on a barbecue. Can you imagine what that was like? So that's that's embedded in my memory of uh, Southern Ontario. Every time I start with the word Southern, the word California starts to appear. <laughs> Southern California, uh, Ontario. Anyway, um, I, uh, I, I received, uh, uh, just before coming here, the night before last, with uh, Henry Winter presented the, at a large gallery, uh, a Lifetime Achievement Award, and I didn't know what I wanted to be. I don't know an award for a lifetime. I mean, you do your lifetime. Everybody gets an award for just making it through your lifetime. <laughs> I mean, why, why would, why, this is what I said to the audience, why me? I mean, I did all the things I just said. I went to McGill and got there then, and then I went to New York, and then I went to Hollywood, and, and I said, and here I am. And they applauded. I said, what are you applauding about? <laughs> I just sort of blundered my way through it all, and fate took me by the hand and pushed me in the direction of, why, why do I deserve an award? Was the whole premise of what I was saying. And what I had thought was that keeping alive that inner child, which is what I tried to do, both as a, you know, I write, I, I run around trying to do as much as possible and write these books, uh, which may or may not have any, uh, any value, but the, the, the theme of uh, being aware our lives, that's the achievement. We all live our lives. So I, I, I said to them, I guess the only achievement I could point to, as I just said a moment ago, was trying to retain that ability to be in, in awe of everything around us, of nature, the stars, Enjoying the 
act of creating new songs, which were based on, uh, on events in my life. So, for example, that in Bill, the album that's out there, um, one of the songs to, that I would point at is me leaving home in Montreal on my way uh, to Toronto. And I'm crossing a bridge, and I forgot the bridge, but it must be over the St. Lawrence River. And I'm in this cheap little uh, English car, uh, uh, the little two-door, and Morris Bond. It was a Morris, Morris Bond that I had bought and used in Montreal for $400. My father had lent me the money. And I'm driving with all my belongings across the river, on the bridge. And an 18-wheeler is coming at me. And that 18-wheeler pushes this envelope of air. And so the air uh, pushed by little Morris Minor almost over the bridge. And I, in that moment, I thought, God, if I go over the bridge and grab all my belongings here, it's like I never existed. I mean, that's how ephemeral all our lives are. But I survived, and the song is about how we all are crossing a bridge, and we all have 18 wheels coming at us, and that's the name of the song. So we have a number of songs uh, because of the joy of writing songs. We have a number of songs left over. And when I was asked to entertain at uh, at the Kennedy Center at a big opera hall, seeing 3,000 people, tears of, of uh, balconies there, I mean, it's like monumental. And, uh, and they weren't going to uh, uh, televise it, so I said, I'll pay for the television, and they weren't going to record it with any fidelity. I said, I'll pay for the, the, the fidelity recording. So sooner or later, there's going to be a show of me at uh, performing live at Kennedy Center, the songs that Sherman and I wrote. Uh, and it was the week after Earth Day. Did we have Earth Day here in Canada? Well, that's when I did it. Uh, five of the six songs are about the planet and, and how we're destroying the planet. And uh, uh, by the way, uh, in the speech I gave to getting this award, I said, uh, one of the questions is, I was saying you've got to keep asking questions. And I said, one of the questions I would ask is, how can we be at war with the planet burning? And uh, so the whole evening was about uh, our joy and our concern about our planet. The last song, which was about uh, distilling my, my, my adventure, that uh, some of you may know I went up in space and uh, had an enormous experience far beyond anything that I couldn't imagine. And uh, I, I went to the desert on a Monday. On a Sunday evening, uh, Robert Chernow and Dan Dunn and I went for dinner. And we said, we can write a song about me going to the space. So we made some notes. Then on a Monday, I went to the desert and had this experience. When I came down, I called Chernow and I said, you know, everything he's talking about at dinner on Sunday night, well, being, being a space for God, that's nothing to do with what I experienced. And uh, we wrote a song called uh, So 
So blue, and that was like the key song of that evening at, uh, at the Kennedy Center. So fragile, so blue. Uh, we sit here with the falls, the water uh, flowing, the, 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 the bringer of life, water flowing over the falls and being, uh, and water being this magical thing, being solid, ice, water, fluid, water, as we know it, and then mist as a gas, water gas, water vapor. It's the only thing we know of it has three, uh, it has three shapes to it. It, it waters this bringer of life, we're 80, 90% water, and we're running out of it in Southern California, and as well as many other areas are but here, in this magical place called, called Southern Ontario, all this water flows over these hills and falls and vaporizes. And, I mean, it's magical. I don't want you, those of you who live here, ever forget how magical it is. So, listen, um, I thought this would be like a nice introduction. Like, get to know each other. That's who I am. I'm a Canadian still. I don't know about you. I haven't been able to vote ever. <laughs> but uh, whatever party is in in uh, in power at the moment, which just changes, uh, uh, it's it's a beautiful transition of power by people who are seemingly intent on making Canada. It's democracy in the state. It's democracy in action for sure. Uh, well, you know, democracy is uh, this is my idea. No, this is my idea. Well, democracy seeks seeks to ameliorate and moderate and vote because of the majority. And democracy is difficult and it's warfare and it's this is my idea. I think it's best and. Let's not go to war. Like, I don't understand why Southern California doesn't do a tunnel from Oregon or Washington State. And a tunnel to bring water down to there. It's the darkest thing you've ever seen. But that's democracy in action. And here in Canada, it seems to be working better at the moment than it is in the United States. It's, uh, it's coming back to Canada is a real. Uh, all of comfort for me back to familiar things and people who uh, are very polite. Probably <laughs> uh, just ask me a question that I'll, I'll uh, back on. Do we have a microphone set up? Uh, somebody's black. Wait a minute. Two people are black. Somebody's huddled over there. Where are you going? Is there a microphone? There's a man. There's a man in black. Everybody's black here. We're in mourning for our youth. I think is the. Uh, is the what you got? You got a telephone? Yeah. Oh, you got your, your question on your telephone. No, I see. I'm. Why? No, wait a minute. No, no. Don't read. 